Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Everyone is a measuring stick, and this is no different. Where is the Titanic Museum? <laughs> Good eyesight. That's in Pigeon Forge, Minnesota, uh, Tennessee. Okay, that's... that's yeah, I'm road tripping at the end of the season, probably down south. I may have to stop. And uh, Belfast, and so is our man Sam Extramotor. Yeah, that's where it was actually built. So the one in Tennessee is sort of the B team to the one in Belfast? <laughs> yeah, it would be the JV Museum, but it was still pretty good. Okay. All right, I'll add it to the list. All There's right. a Noah's Ark Museum in Kentucky I want to hit too, so maybe I can. I'll add that to my list. There you go. <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh, I love, I love it. Kirk Cousins and Chris Thomason, just two peas in a pod. Two kindred spirits going to the Titanic. Which Titanic museum is better? This one over here, that one? Are there any museums that you guys would like to road trip to when the Viking season's over? No, I'm good. I'll stay on the couch. Maybe a little tease for Four Question Friday. Oh, okay. I like it. I see where you're going there. I'm gonna, let me add it to the notes right now. Yeah. I just want to make sure we get this. Okay, which, uh, which museum? A team or B team? You know? Are we going south? Are we going east? Do you want to road trip to? Yeah, think about that, people. This is Purple Daily. Daily Vikings and Museum Entertainment here. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. That's our mission statement. The show is presented by Surly Brewing Company and also TCL. TCL is here with some of the best TVs for football watching that you're going to find. They've got a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love. With TCL. And this, boys, every Thursday is the State of the Vikings Offense. You like that? You like that? Episode or address, whatever you want to call it. And so we got four key offensive stats we're going to get to. And we've got the random Viking of the week. But at the end of Mackie and Judd today, Judd says, before we go, I just want to tease that I've got the defensive player on the Cowboys that the Vikings should pick on on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Sunday Night Football, national TV. That there's one player on the Cowboys defense Judd thinks the Vikings should look to expose. Mm-hmm. We're curious. Who is that player? So this started yesterday when I was doing my, well, actually not me. Keys was doing his in-depth research for the Friday segment. Four keys to a Vikings victory. But Keys uncovered something and came to me and asked about this. And I said, Keys, this is so good. It's a two-day run here oh, wow. because you're right. Because Key said this is a potential player to expose. And at first, I'm like, Keys, you've been drinking again. You're crazy. No. 
And then and then it was has some peppermint schnapps on his yep. breath again. Yep. He had, he's Randy. got the small airplane bottles in his pockets. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, geez, let's let's not do this. And he's like, no, you don't sit down and I'll explain. And so he did. There is a player to expose on Sunday night football in under the national spotlight, a player who's having what appears to be on the surface a fantastic season, but in reality leaves him right, right to be exposed because of his desire to show everybody nationally again how great he is. And this is because Kirk Cousins is not only damn good, he's having a great year. This is because you've got not one, not two, but three receivers that are all, all very capable, including one in Justin Jefferson, who I think could be used more and could win this matchup, by the way, mano a mano. Trayvon Diggs is the player. Cornerback Trayvon mm. Diggs, brother of Stefan. The mm. same guy who has one interception in literally yes. every game so far this season. He has seven picks. Every game. It's three more than anybody else in the National Football League. He has seven interceptions. And yet I am saying that I want Kirk Cousins to go after him. And at first it's like, are you okay. crazy? Okay, are you well, nuts? I'm going to ask you a question. Yep. Why? Why why that. why why would you do that? I why why would you that. throw at a guy that has seven interceptions so far yes. this season? Because the statistical cocaine of which you guys are snorting doesn't give the true view of the danger of the drug. Trayvon Diggs statistically is fantastic, but if you look deeper, which is what my buddy Keys did, God bless him for this. And you understand that the Vikings have three very capable receivers and one who I just flat out think is special not to mention a quarterback who can expose players because of his arm talent Trayvon Diggs have you looked at how PFF grades him and seized him and the high risk high reward Mm. play of Trayvon Diggs let me give you the ranking first of all through seven weeks Trayvon Diggs seven picks okay so like that's the starting point so you're right what the hell are you talking about keys Trayvon Diggs is ranked 61st among corners through the first seven weeks. Trayvon Diggs has big-time issues, and this is where this is all going to tie together and why you should go after him, because he is going to try to make plays that eventually are going to catch up to him. Because we all know the interception totals sometimes are driven by, yes, good play, but also fortune. Trayvon Diggs, one of his biggest struggles is double moves. Double moves burn him. Okay. We are talking about, again, a group of receivers and Justin Jefferson being special who could expose Diggs' desire to add to the interception total and get risky. And that's the thing about this. When you're having the type of year that that he is, unless you are a Jalen Ramsey, absolutely outstanding corner, sometimes you are ripe to be exposed. He is awful against the run, which is going to help as well. And if you look at this now, just on the double moves problems and the fact that PFF, which, by the way, if Trayvon Diggs was ranked like 20th, I'd be like, well, PFF's probably a little bit tough in grading him or something. But I'll reiterate, he's 61st. Something something can give here if you go after him in the correct manner. I am saying right now, in the national spotlight on Sunday night with the season that Kirk is having and a guy like Jefferson, I think this is ripe to take advantage of a high-risk, high-reward okay. cornerback. 
What's what? And, and actually, the the high risk, high reward literally played out in like back to back plays in that New England game where yep. he gets the. You know, there was a pass over the middle. It got bobbled, and he's right there for the the opportunistic interception. And I think he I think he picked sixed it, didn't he? He mm-hmm. brought it back to the house. Thank you. And then the Cowboys said, and then the Patriots come right back and go right at him, and they throw a deep pass for a touchdown in a back and forth game. Uh, so a couple of things, because I just as you were talking, went digging here too. So PFF hates him in the run game. Yep. He's one of the worst run defending. So I think if you know if Dalvin Cook, if you can if you can target his side of the field and run at him, I think I think that's a good strategy. They do like him a lot more in uh in pass coverage, but he's not like he's yeah, like he is feast or famine. Here's the interesting one that stands out, all right? When opposing receivers do catch the ball against him. And again, like that's the key because uh, quarterbacks, when they throw at Trayvon Diggs, are only completing 51% of their passes. Mm-hmm. But when they do complete a pass, they're mm-hmm. averaging 19 yards per reception. Correct. So how can you tap into the the upside of, of him allowing big plays without falling into the trap of a pick six or something? That's where you got to be careful. But to your point, like, I don't know that my strategy would be attack him 15 times, but like, he does allow huge plays, and he has allowed – well, he allowed the one touchdown to uh, the Patriots. I think that's the only touchdown he's allowed this season. But like I said, the average catch against him is 19 yards, which is massive, but they're only hitting on 50% of, of uh, completions against him. So. And Pro Football Ooh, Reference wow. has this note, and I'm not sure what the league average rate would be, but he's made 23 tackles. He's had five missed tackles. He has a missed tackle rate of 17.9%. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's abnormally high. But to me, that seems a little high. So he definitely probably is prone to missing some tackles. So if Jefferson gets separation, he's probably going to be able to burn it. I'm, uh, I'm just saying if Jefferson is on him, don't be afraid with Kirk's arm talent to throw to J.J. This is Rocky Four boys. He ain't so tough. He ain't so bad. He ain't <laughs> so long. Yeah, that, that's you actually not Rocky Four. That's Rocky Three. Okay. Okay. Put well, some Put some okay. respect on Rocky Three. Okay. Rocky three. You, you, you ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. You ain't nothing. You ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. This is the game, though. This is what I want to see. What I want to see <laughs> is this offense firing on all cylinders. And I'm telling you right now, statistically, if you dig in on Trayvon Diggs, there are areas that you can expose where he's going to get over his skis. And Jefferson and Cousins especially can do that. Okay, to your general like premise here of don't be afraid. I 100% agree. I don't know that I'm just going to go attack one of the most dangerous cornerbacks. Like I'm probably going to be a little bit more careful there than you are advocating for. But I think back to 1998, and I remember the mindset. Like People knew that offense was elite, and the Vikings were going to play the Cowboys, and it's prime time, baby. It was Thanksgiving, right, yep. in 1998? Yes. And by the way, Deion Sanders wound up missing that game with turf toe, and people questioned, how bad was the injury, or did you just not want to face Randy Moss, right? But but when it was thought that Deion Sanders was going to play, and the Cowboys are coming off a dynasty, so that was that was a much higher profile and better Cowboys run than the one we're seeing this year with them. And they had one of the like they had a Hall of Fame cornerback, like a, a lockdown shutdown cornerback. And the yep. thought process going into that game among the fans and the Vikings was, who cares? You can't stop this offense. You can't stop Randy Moss. And I want this fight. Like I'm not saying that this Vikings offense is 98. But they've got damn good receivers, and Kirk Cousins is having an excellent season. So to your general point about don't coach scared, don't avoid that guy because 
Justin Jefferson is every bit as good at his job, if not better, than Trayvon Diggs is at his job. So don't coach scared. Listen, if you if you see a one-on-one matchup with Justin Jefferson on Trayvon Diggs, I'm taking that all day because he's Justin Jefferson. And look at Moss's day that day in particular, and that's the day I want. Look at what Randy did statistically Thanksgiving Day 98, Phil, and that is what I want because it's not it's not oh my god he caught 10 passes. I believe he caught 3 passes for 3 touchdowns. That so so I'm not saying you got to throw Justin Jefferson every pass. What I am saying is yes. Don't be afraid. I think Justin Jefferson is better at his his job than Trayvon Diggs is at his job. And so if the coverage dictates that Trayvon Diggs is on Justin Jefferson, I want Kirk Cousins, I want Clint Kubiak, and most importantly, yes, you, Mike Zimmer, to expose it. Wow. Key's coming in hot there, man. Judd's Key's coming week. in hot he dug, there, he dug, like he dug a lot. Like Damn, dude. Like, he did a lot of research because at first I'm like, Trayvon Diggs, are you crazy, man? Quit that. Get off the bottle. <laughs> and he's crazy. like, no, man. No, no I'm going to I'm gonna he's, put my Surly down and explain to you what I'm talking about. He's like, I'm not on the bottle. I got a can of Surly Furious, Judd. Mm-mm-mm. And you should, too, because that's right. Win or lose on Sunday. You know what you, you can enjoy from your couch or, heck, in the stadium? Surly Furious, the best IPA in the state, as we keep saying, the best IPA. Let's cut to the chase. In the entire world, probably. World. Or not probably, for sure. And Surly millions. Furious IPA. All of the Surly products are fantastic. Go pick yours up for a great weekend of football. Also, uh, they love the support that you guys are showing their product. And whenever you tweet us photos of your cans of Surly, yep. it's uh, it's awesome. And Surly loves it. So keep sending them in. Show us your cans. Show us the support here. I got a, this Viking season. I got one from a guy in an airport in in was it North Dakota, South Dakota yesterday. Yeah. That was the uh, pilot. That was the pilot actually. We're like, hey, buddy, it, it was, be and careful. it wasn't a can. <laughs> it was just a, it was just the glass, but it looked damn good. And I think it was really furious. Uh, shout out also to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Yeah, just make sure if you're a business owner that you can sleep well at night by making sure that your bottom line and your employees and your building everything is protected with the right risk management tools and people that can help guide you, which Federated has plenty of great people. Go to federatedinsurance.com, and remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, boys, I have four key offensive stats on this State of the Vikings offense okay. episode of Fourth. Purple Daily. Four. Fourth quarter. Four. Fourth quarter. Four. Got to play, Gotta play them all. All right, let's start with, and I, I usually – create themes here for for all of these so let's start with theme number one offensive line and this one actually comes with sort of th- three stats rolled into one here so i'm cheating a little bit but yeah. how good is the offensive line at pass protection that's been the biggest topic since kirk cousins walked in he's not very mobile you got to protect him give him time when he has time he's one of the best most accurate quarterbacks in the nfl he's not great when he's pressured so how well is the offensive line blocking? I know I've seen that stat going around that it's the lowest sack percentage the Vikings have allowed in uh, in history. Well, sacks aren't everything. Pressures are also bad for Kirk because it throws him off his spot, right? So according to ESPN's pass block win rate, the Vikings rank 19th. I think they were like 26th or 27th last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, they rank 19th. 
The Vikings offensive line produces a 56% fully, uh, a fully clean pocket 56% of the time. And by that, they mean, did you hold your own collectively for at least two and a half seconds? And after that, it's not your fault anymore. Uh, right. So, so 19th, okay, sort of like right, right yeah. below league average. Not, not great, but not a train wreck. Not a train wreck. Uh, Pro Football Focus sees it a little differently. They've got the Vikings' overall offensive line grade as pass protectors, 28th. We don't know exactly how that sausage is made. (laughs) Um, Maybe Eric Eager can help us with that. And then I've got PFF grades at their positions. Like, where do these guys rank among their peers in pass protection? Brian O'Neill, 18th out of 83 offensive tackles. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty damn good. Take that. So top 10 among right tackles. You'll take that. Christian Derrissaw is 37th out of 83 tackles so far. Yep. Above average. You'll take that. Yep. Ezra Cleveland is 45th out of 78 guards in pass protection. Yeah. Yeah. Meh. Oli Udo is 47th out of 78 guards in pass protection. Interesting. So he must not be getting dinged as much for penalties as I thought. You no, might he be. he is. Uh, he's getting dinged for penalties, but he's been he's been mostly solid in terms of pressures. He had one really bad game. I think it was the Carolina Cleveland, Cleveland game. Cleveland? Yeah, I think I think okay, I the, bang, the really Bengals game. game and Browns games are the two that come to mind as, as bad games, and the rest have been, I think, sufficient. Yeah, and then Garrett Bradbury is thirty sixth out of thirty seven. Yeah, centers not, in yeah, pass protection. So, yeah. okay. so he is, okay. God, it's just. Uh, they need to fix the glitch with his paycheck. We have fixed the glitch. So they basically, they have no elite offensive lineman. They have one really good one in O'Neal. Mm-hmm. And then they've got Derrissaw, Cleveland, Udo are average-ish. And Bradbury is a train wreck when it comes to pass Ugh. protection relative to his peers. Right, but that, but Phil, that, that, uh, comes back to what we've talked about now for like two years, which is the average. Like they were so bad. Yeah. The right guard position until Cleveland uh, started playing last season was such a disaster that that you'll take this now in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Like it was so unplayably bad. Samia was awful. And then don't you wonder here? Like, all right, so you got you know you got three guys that are. Fine, they're average, and and there's still some upside with Ezra Cleveland and Oli Udo. It's like that's the good news is that these guys are young. Derisaw, yeah, he's average so far, but he's young, and and these guys could get better, which is good news probably for more like 2022. But like, is Mason Cole so untrustworthy? Is like and people have talked about Wyatt Davis. You know, what are you what 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 would you have to lose? You know, Bradbury is okay as a run blocker, but, like, is there really that much that you would have to lose? Maybe Kirk is just super comfortable with his relationship with Bradbury and, and having his hands on another man's ass for three hours every Sunday. I don't know. Oh, that sounds really personal. I I don't know that I, – I think the starting point problem with Garrett Bradbury is he's a first-round pick. I really oh, do. Yeah, but that's a, that's a sunk cost at this point. Wyatt Davis, to me, is – he took snaps at – center at times during camp, but I don't think he's played there. Like, there's no way he, he should play there. He should be a guard. Um, my question comes back to the first guy that you talked about that they got from the Cardinals, Mason Cole. Because, okay, I know he's not very good, but Garrett Bradbury is a mess there. So, But that's the one position that they just got to fix it. Yeah. Like, you got to fix that one. I've got one more. I know I'm putting a lot of – I'm sort of cheating here because I've got offensive line is, is stat number one, and I've got, like, 
15, 15,000 stats here, but yeah, you're really cheap. Um, so what went, okay. When Kirk gets pressured, what percentage of those pressures turn into sacks and Kirk ranks fifth among quarterbacks, only 12% of pressures turn into sacks. Uh-huh. And uh, for context there, so Kirk's at 12%. Josh Allen leads at 8% because he's just able to maneuver and just make ridiculous plays. Huge. So, again, Kirk, 12%. Davis Mills, Baker Mayfield, and Justin Fields are all at 30%. When they get pressured, 30% of the time it turns into a sack. How is Baker Mayfield that bad? Because he's not he's good. He's not mobile. He's, he's, he's not, not that mobile. People think he's mobile because he ran in college. He's not. He's not. No. He's yeah, not, but I he mean, doesn't run fast. Oh, but like, just escape pressure sometimes. <laughs> but he, but he's not. That's the thing. He, that's yeah. his problem. He like he still thinks he's like Oklahoma mobile. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not playing Texas Tech's defense every right. week, guy. True. So, um, I, you know, I think Cousins getting rid of the ball quicker. There's just a concerted effort, and yes. we'll we'll get to some of that too. Yes. But um, all right. Key stat number two here, or key category of stats. <laughs> Thanks, Rick Spielman. Let's talk about accuracy. Kirk Cousins ranks fourth in the NFL with an 81% accuracy rate. And what's the difference between accuracy and completion percentage? For accuracy, we're taking away drops, we're taking away spikes, we're taking away throwaways. If you just throw the ball away, we're not counting that. So when he targets a receiver, how accurate is he? 81% ranks fourth in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only three quarterbacks ahead of him are Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, and Mac Jones. However, mm-hmm. Kirk ranks third to last in average depth of throw. So he's averaging fewer than seven air yards per throw. Lamar Jackson's at like 11 at the top of the list. So he's super accurate, but he's not throwing the ball in the air very far, whether it's schematically or he's choosing to check down. Or some combination of both. So take the accuracy numbers with a little bit of a. He's accurate down the field too, but like when you see that number, it's it's a lot of six, you know, little screens or short passes underneath stuff, and uh, that's fine too. But we, I'd like to see the Vikings not rank third from the bottom in average depth of throw the rest of the season. So can I attempt to tie two of those stats together as a possibility for for the explanation? I wonder if the fact, and this is the good thing, that Kirk is delivering the football quickly now. Because, like, there's no question. He is getting throws off that we did not previously see. I wonder if that is predicated more often on the short passing game. Because, obviously, sure. if you drop back and throw downfield, it's going to take some time to develop. Yep. And I wonder if that's the workaround. And I'm with you. Like, I don't think that you can abandon the deep passing game and be like, well, we just can't do it. That's that's BS. But overall, statistically, I wonder if that's what that comes back to, which is we don't have the offensive line to hold up in protection for long periods of time, so we're going to have Kirk deliver the ball quickly. But in order to do so, it's going to be more difficult to uh, drop him back into the pocket for any amount of time yeah. to try and find guys deep. Yeah, um, that's the I mean, that's the whole paradox, I think, for the Vikings is like, we'd like to throw the ball deep. We don't fully trust the offensive line. There's probably a little bit more room for a little bit more trust. Um, and that's actually, that, that brings me to category number three here, four key Vikings offensive stats. You like that? You like that? Play calling, the type of pass that's being thrown here. So I want to I go into two different areas. 
play action attempts, which that's something the Vikings are great at, right? They've got Dalvin Cook using him as a decoy on play action. Kirk Cousins statistically is one of the best play action quarterbacks in the league since joining the Vikings. Yet the Vikings rank only 25th in total play action attempts this year. What do you think of that? There has been a, the one thing that I think with beyond a shadow of a doubt that Clint Kubiak has gone away from that we probably didn't expect is that play action, which was really big in Gary's world and clearly uh, helps Kirk. Um, I, I don't want to say it's been abandoned, but it has been peeled back on quite a bit. Now, Here's the question I have off of that, though, and I think it's it's a discussion that we have had previously as well on this show. Do they feel simply the threat of Dalvin Cook is enough that they don't need play action as much? Because if he's on the field, teams are already predisposed to being uh, um, to being afraid of the potential for a run and sucking up towards the line regardless. I, I'm just... I'm spitballing why that statistic has changed by a lot when I don't think if, you know, we had talked about this in training camp, we certainly did not expect play action to be cut back on as much as it probably has been by this team. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, and, and for the record, Kirk's splits have been pretty equal. Like he's, he's got very similar numbers, play action versus non-play action, which is not the case in previous years. So maybe Kirk's just better. Well, Kirk's certainly better late in games this year. And you're not running play action when you're running a 37 second, you know, fire drill. Yeah. So maybe some of it's just like his play at the end of games when they're not running play action has equaled some of that out. Phil, no. it, Phil, it, in your stats, do you have do you have um, uh, splits on on the times that opposing defenses against the Vikings have been in the box? So like how how many guys? I'd be curious to see. I'd be curious to see just the threat of Dalvin what that does because. There became a point fairly quickly, I think, with Peterson where teams would just have as many guys as possible in the box. And if you went play action, that was fine. But they were already so afraid that Peterson was going to get the ball that it yeah. impacted how they, how they at least pre-snap, were lined up. Uh, I'll have my I'll have my statistical interns do some digging on that. That'd be interesting so. to see. <laughs> it's a it's a super deep dive stat. I don't know. We'll see. We'll That'd see. be very interesting to see. Uh, I want to give you a, another one in terms of play calling. So, you know, we were banging the drum before that Carolina game. The Vikings were only averaging like three quote-unquote deep passes per game of 20 yards or more through the air. Yep. Well, they unleashed for eight against Carolina. They hit on four of them, including a game-winning touchdown to K.J. Osborne. That's awesome. And even after the barrage of deep passes against Carolina, they still rank just 24th in total deep passes attempted this year. On those deep passes... Kirk Cousins is really good. You know, he's yeah. got uh, he averages 14 yards per attempt, which is like 10th in the league, something like that. Um, you know, he's he's been good on the he's accurate. So, he only has one interception on those deep passes. That's fine. Kyler Murray has three picks on deep passes. And you know what? Hasn't killed the Cardinals. And you know what? 5 to 8 per game is great. That's what you want. That's exactly what you want. I've never understood. So, okay, I get the protection problems. So I, I do get that. And and you're not going to have Kirk, uh, Kirk seven-step drop all day and be like, just chuck her up there, buddy. I, yeah. I get that perfectly. But think about this. And this was before Kirk, you know, 
was was successful and playing well this season. How many times have we talked about those are the throws Kirk makes really well? Stefan Diggs, Thielen, like we've seen that before. Jefferson. How how many bad, like ugly, really bad deep shots has Kirk taken? Not many, because no. that that his arm talent plays into that. So I think eight shots against the Panthers, bravo Zimmer, bravo Clint Kubiak. It's exactly what they should be doing. And then the fourth category here, the fourth Ooh. key offensive stat, right? This is a super deep dive, I know. Ooh, Let's talk about aggressiveness. How aggressive are the Vikings offensively? Well, fourth down attempts. The Vikings have gone for it on fourth down only five times all year. That ranks 30th in the NFL. More than half the league, about two-thirds of the league, has gone for it at least twice as often as the Vikings have mm-hmm. to start the season. The Browns are the most aggressive team on fourth down. They've gone for it 16 times already. I feel like they went for it like three times against the Vikings, right? Hyper-aggressive. What about, what about, so the Vikings are super conservative on fourth down. You know, they went for field goals inside the five twice against the Panthers. Second and long. So second and ten or more. The Vikings are the fourth most run-heavy team in those situations. Let's compare them to the most aggressive team in those situations, the Buccaneers. The Vikings run the ball on nearly half of their second and longs. The Buccaneers, 9% of their second and longs. and I'm, So 10 or more yards. You know, So the Vikings are saying, oh, first down kind of failed. Let's just move it forward with a run, right? Let's just lean in. If we can get five yards, great. Other teams like the Buccaneers, who have the greatest quarterback of all time, are saying, I don't care if we fail in first down. We got to pick up some chunks second and long. Let's get let's make it third and short, right? How do we get to third and short? The Vikings are thinking, how do we move the ball forward? Right. And there's a huge distinction there. Um, and then uh, we already talked about this, but the Vikings are third to last in average depth of throw on pass attempts. So fourth downs, conservative, second and long, conservative, overall passing game, largely conservative. Weren't they far more aggressive on fourth down last season? I felt uh, like, they may have been. I felt like they went for it more on fourth down, and, and that Mike w- was actually applauded for that. But that might have been. I mean, hell, was that Gary? I wonder if that was Gary in retrospect now. And Clint's like, okay, we won't go for it on fourth down as much. Yeah. But, no. And the ship has sailed on fourth down. Like commonplace now to go for it, unless it's just stupid. If you watch games now, like this is no. This is not like three coaches do this. Well, it's really cool. But but a what lot about of like you're doing it now? I think the biggest one, like Alex Boone, you know, brought this up on Tuesday's episode. When you're, let's say it's fourth and goal, and you're inside the five, you're at like the three yard line. Mm-hmm. Now, some of it depends on. All right, is it the fourth quarter and a field goal puts you up by two scores to end the game? Kick a field goal. But in the first quarter mm-hmm. or the second quarter, and mm-hmm. it's close, or you're leading by a touchdown or a field goal. What do you do? In the, I think a lot of people are just take the points. Just take the points, right? Yes. I, th- I, I just, a lot of old school people are like that. Yes. No I question. just like, I, I feel like, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people rip on like the Browns did it against the Vikings and Wift. And I don't, I don't know if you guys watched any of the Washington Green Bay game, but Washington tried, went for it for touchdowns inside the five a couple times and failed. Um, and so, like, when it happens and you fail, like, oh, well, that's why you lost the game. But, we don't talk often enough about the times you settle for field goals, and because of that, you're in a close game that you shouldn't be in. 
Correct. Like the like the Panthers game shouldn't have been close. The Vikings marched all the way down the field, and then they said, right. oh, at the three-yard line, well, we're going to kick a field goal. And I think it's fair to, to say this. It might be dictated by your confidence and quality of your offense. Um, you know, if Christian Ponder was on the three and it was fourth down, I might be saying to myself, I might take those points. Mm-hmm. But if it's Cousins, Jefferson, Thielen, Cook, go down the list, I'm saying I can get this. The one thing, the one stat I won, I can't find it, and I've asked, and I want to see it, is this one. The one thing that I'm slightly confused by on fourth down and short is the amount of teams that continue to line up in shotgun. Yeah, that's under center. I'm creating, I'm creating at least a person. If my quarterback can't operate at all, taking a snap directly, that's on me. That's my fault. But I mean, why not leave the option there? For for and, and I love the pass there. That's great. But why would you line up in shotgun? And if, if you go shotgun and hand the ball off, well, you're asking your guy, and I, yeah. I know it, it's like, well, he's got a head of steam, but you're still asking him to do something that would be easier if he just took the ball directly with a yard to gain literally. I think, yeah, I love lining up under center there because, A, like, you could, like if you're going to quarterback sneak, obviously, like, you're you're right. Like you can't quarterback sneak. Really. I mean, you, I guess you can if you're under shotgun. I've seen that before because you get ahead of steam. But I feel like, and this is, yeah, I never coached a day of football in my life. But I feel like play action's more effective there too because if you're under center, it creates a little more urgency. Oh my god, they might sneak it. We got to get up in here. Got to get up in here. And then all of a sudden, you turn around. Oh wait, he's handing it off. No, he's not. If it feels to me like play action could be more effective. But then again, like I quit football in eighth grade, so it what do matter. I know? About? No, 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 no. Um. The best fourth down uh, and short call I've seen this year was week one Bengals-Vikings. And I think Burrow was under center when he threw that pass. That was a bleeping great great play call because the Vikings were all sucked up. They were like fourth and one. It's going to be a run. It's going to be a run. And Burrow, and, and again, I will liken the Vikings offense to the Bengals. Like I see a lot of, of the same things. Uh, now with Irv Smith Jr. out, the Vikings probably don't have as good as good of tight end and Conklin as Cincinnati does. But with Jamar Chase, with Burrow, right, with a run game that's pretty good for the Bengals as well. I think the Vikings offense can look at the Bengals and steal a lot. But I loved that play call because it created a lot of indecision on the Vikings part on fourth down what they were going to do offensively. Yeah, Joey Burrow is uh, is fun to watch. And again, like, I think, oh, well, the, look, the Bengals are one of the best teams in the AFC now, so that's not a bad loss. It doesn't make that a bad loss. It's a game you should have won. If you want to compete on the highest level, well, yes, I'm not, I don't look at that game any differently than I did when they lost it, to be honest with you. Like, I thought Amen. the Bengals were worse, but I, it was still a very winnable game. Amen. Um, all right, we got random Viking of the week coming up here, but Judd is Mr. Skinny, Mr. Thin here because of Livia, our friends at Livia. Livia Weight Control centers they are my friends and three weeks in i'm down about 15 pounds in fact i'm going in for weigh-in number four today hopefully down more i'm sure i I am i think if you actually watch purple daily you can see it in my face i've lost some jowls i've lost some some uh, weight in my chin the clothes fitting better everything better because of these fine folks and the easiest thing is it's simple it's not a difficult plan. It's a lifestyle change, but once you make that change, you're going to feel great. First 10 weeks, I'll say this slowly because it might be too good to be true, but it's not. Limited time offer. First 10 weeks are free 
Livia.com or 855-GO-LIVIA, L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. Check them out. Lose the weight along with me and tell them that Score North and Zolgad told you to check them out. Also, hello to our friends at Moon Motorsports off 94 in Monticello, which has more major power sports brands under one roof than any other regional dealer, making it the most exciting showroom experience in Minnesota. you got to check them out. Uh, you can stop in. You can also snoop around moonmotorsports.com, where, for instance, the uh, Polaris experts out there are making it happen, connecting customers with their new Polaris ATVs and side-by-sides. Uh, it's, a, it's a glorious place if you're into power sports. Snowmobile season is on the horizon in Minnesota. Moon Motorsports in Monticello, now with 10 brands under one showroom, moonmotorsports.com. It's time now for the random Viking of the Week here on Purple Daily. Where, Declan, you'll be happy to know that your, your, uh, your fill-in, your yeah, substitute, yeah. your pinch hitter last week, Ross Brendel, put one on the board for you. We're counting it for you. Mm-hmm. Jay Fiedler was last week's Random Viking of the Week. Thank you, Ross. And so that gives Declan slash Ross a three-week win streak. Tony Richardson, Brock Lesnar, Which was done in two clues. And let's not forget, Brock Lesnar was done in two clues. Brock. So Judd has an 8-4 to lead all time on Declan in the Random Viking of the Week. I give you a series of clues. You each get three incorrect guesses. You can ask me questions. I can choose to answer if I want to. Okay. Declan. Let's start with this. The 2005 Vikings. I take the top off the defense. I I go for shots. Like you weren't good, and now you are hot, (laughs) hot, hot. All right. Mm. Let's go. All right. This Random Viking of the Week's parents' names are Joseph and Wanda. I will say that uh, <laughs> such a stupid clue. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold I'm gonna withhold that clue for a second. Uh, this random Viking of the week was a three sport athlete in high school: football, basketball, baseball, and was also a member of the National Honor Society. This random Viking of the week played for six different NFL teams, and. Played in eight playoff games in his career. One with the Vikings. All right, this random Viking of the week. Played in 104 career NFL games. Okay. I will also tell you, remember his parents' names are Joseph and Wanda that there is alliteration with one of his parents and the last name. This random Viking of the Week played college football in Conference USA. This random Viking of the Week, in no particular order, mm-hmm. played for these NFL head coaches. Mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien, Brad Childress, Ron Rivera, wait, 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 Sean McDermott, Les Frazier, okay. Joe Judge. Joe Judge. In 2009 in college, Conference USA, 
This random Viking of the week became the first college player to accomplish a specific feat. I'll tell you the feat at some point here as I go through the clues, but not yet. So, okay. So, so are, did, did you say on the coach's clue, did you say he played for them and as head coaches? Yes. Those were the head coaches that he played for. Okay. So, Joe Judge. This random Viking of the week. So I cover him. Played in 104 NFL games, but only started four times. Started four games. You guys, are, this is this is great. Uh, eight, eight play. Oh, Macadag is back on his back on his eight, game here. Eight playoff games. All right, this random Viking of the week. Eight playoff games. Was yeah. a six foot four, two hundred thirty one pound player. 231 pounds? 231 pounds. As opposed to 232, yes. Um, Okay. So Ron Revere, hold on. This random Viking of the week. Giants. I think, I don't have have all the NFL's history here, but I think this random Viking of the week is one of the rare players to have returned a kick, made a tackle, Completed oh. a pass, caught a pass, and run the ball all in his career. Um, I'll take a. Oh no, 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 no! I won't because Joe Joe Judge throws me off. This is the, so. This guy's played recently. Yeah, I mean the Giants he might be even him. active. I will say that this player played for Joe Judge, I believe, last season. Oh, uh, uh, is Declan going to guess here? No, he did. I don't think he was playing last year. So I wait, was so shocked. Six, so I was shocked so that this six, player six, still four. played in the NFL as recently as last year. Six foot four. But so he played as so if he played for Childress and Les Frazier, he was around in like 2010. So like this guy played forever. His first season in the NFL was 2010. This random Viking of the week was a sixth round draft pick. And this random Viking of the week in 2009, I'll finish this clue for you, became the first college player ever in back-to-back seasons to throw for 2,000 yards and run for 1,000 yards in the same season, two straight seasons. So wait, wait, wait. Say that again. 2009. In 2009. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Joe Webb. There it is. Webb is your random Viking of the week. I almost said Jarek McKinnon, then I realized he didn't throw for a thousand. <laughs> yeah, and it's not six foot four, two hundred and thirty-one pounds. <laughs> Joe Webb played for the Giants last year. He was with year. the Giants oh, last year. Yes, wow. I have no idea. No idea. So he went to Alabama, Birmingham. Yep. And no at, at the time, I don't I'm I don't know if this has been broken since then or not, but it, so in 2008, 2009. He threw for 2,300 yards in both seasons and ran for over 1,000 yards in both seasons. No one had ever done that in back-to-back seasons in uh, college football history before. Joe Webb. So he, I was shocked to learn that he was still, like, he's just been this hybrid player. He's mm-hmm. returned so kicks. He's, just, he's been so a third-string quarterback. So he's just still kicking around? Yeah. Yeah. 
Minnesota, and then wow. he went to he went to Carolina from fourteen through sixteen. He played in the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure with Carolina. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right now. That mm-hmm. Buffalo, Houston, the Giants. He's currently a free agent, but that dude was in the NFL for until wow. he was 34 years old. Joe Webb. Wow. Joe and Webb. Declan is roaring back here. Eight to roaring five now, back. right? Eight, eight to, to five. five. It was eight awesome. Yeah. Big time. All right, we got to go. Gotta go. That's your state of the offense. That's yeah, your random no, Viking of the week. We spent a long time with that, didn't we? <laughs> I lost track of the time. Okay. Uh, all right, that's a wrap here. Don't forget, after Vikings-Cowboys on Sunday, the most fan-friendly interactive show in Minnesota sports is Vikings Ventline. And uh, I have a feeling that win or lose, it's going to be maybe the biggest Vikings Ventline ever, just based on Sunday night national TV. So we are pumped. Thanks for hanging out with us, Vikings fans. We'll see you guys tomorrow on Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment.